0: Economic news on SAFM. Facts and figures you can count on. Nadir Token, uh, investment analyst at Twenty for Investment uh, Managers, joins us now. Good morning, Nadir. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners. Now, Nadir, let's just start by looking at China. And I see that PMI uh, manufacturing slipping once again. Yeah, you know, Sakina, I mean, there's been very mixed signals coming out of the Chinese economy uh, more recently. We saw the manufacturing PMI slipping to 49.4 index points from 49.7 index points uh, for the month of March, slip to 49.4 in the month of April. So we continue to see uh, declines in the Chinese manufacturing sector, and there continues to be significant concerns around the health of the world's second-largest economy, and you know where economic growth is going in China. That obviously impacts uh, the global economic growth picture quite significantly, and uh, why we care about that is, one, you know, China is obviously a massive importer uh, or massive trading partner, should I say, with South Africa, both the importer of our of our exports as well as uh, an exporter to us. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's fairly significant in terms of, uh, you know, our economic fate. but two, it's also very critical in terms of where global economic growth is going, you know, for uh, the Chinese manufacturer sector is slowing down things like resource demand come under uh, you know you know come under pressure uh, you know the uh, exporters to China all of a sudden are exporting less so you know it has an, a, a bad knock-on effect onto economic growth in regions like the US and regions like Europe and that obviously affects uh, you know what global central banks are going to be doing with monetary policy so you know um, the, the Federal Reserve may be more hesitant to hike than what they would be if China was firing on all cylinders um You know, we may need to see the European Central Bank add more stimulus to the economy if the the risk from a Chinese slowdown continues to deteriorate. So it is a fairly significant number, Sikina. But as I mentioned, there have been mixed signals out of the Chinese uh, economy more recently. Uh, We saw industrial profits actually improving, increasing for the first quarter, uh, you know, for the first time since the the, the first quarter of last year. Um, You know, we we, we also saw... uh, We also saw uh, exporters' um, numbers improving at their fastest rate in March, uh, you know, since January last year. But then we see manufacturing data coming out and disappointing on the downside with the manufacturing sector contracting yet again. So, you know, the Chinese numbers are are really a mixed bag. It is really uncertain where it's going there. But what we do know, Sakina, is that there is a definite transition over to, uh, you know, the services and, and, and consumption side of the economy. Economy, which now contributes more than 50% to economic growth for the second year running for the year of 2015. You know, we saw that we see services and consumption above 50% of economic activity in China, um, and that's really a, a monumental shift. From what was driving the Chinese economy pretty much for the last uh, two and a half to three decades, so you know it, it is something that's going to take time. It's an economic transition that's going to take time, um, you know. And for the time being, it definitely casts doubt of uh, you know where things like uh, resource demand is going, how uh, you know China is going to be, how much manufacturing output China is going to be putting out, and is it really still the the, the factory of the world? And it is really uh, you know rocking the global. Uh, Economic growth, sort of outlook, and it's definitely causing a lot of, uh, you know, volatility in terms of uh, central bank sentiment and global financial flows. And then, Nadir, commodity prices also on the rise. But where to from here? Yeah, you know, Sakina, I mean, if we look at what's changed fundamentally, uh, you know, since the end of 2015 to now, where we have seen, um, you know, commodity prices on a strong upward trajectory, and we've seen mining shares, in fact, on an even stronger upward trajectory, um, you know, not much has actually fundamentally changed. Uh, You know, we've just spoken in depth about China and uh, shifting their source of economic growth, and the numbers sort of warranting, uh, you know, the fact that there is undoubtedly uh, declining demand from China especially for commodities like iron ore and copper you know and uh, I think the bottom line is that we haven't seen significant supply destruction in these uh, any of these commodity markets Um, you know if we look at these mines that take a very long time to build and they're very expensive to build um, you know and a lot of these projects were brought online in the good times you know talking about the commodity super cycle sort of 2006 2007 midway through 2008 where a lot of these projects were commissioned and uh, you know a lot of the mining companies once these projects come online they're very le- reluctant to cut back on supply because you know they've already sunk the capital and then they don't receive any revenue for that sunk capital from building those new mining operations so they sort of try and weather out the storm for as long and possible uh, as long as possible and almost play a game of chicken with their with their competitors to see who buckle first um, under the pressure of lower commodity prices. So, you know, we're not seeing, the, the, the point I'm making is that we're not seeing any significant supply destruction in any of the commodity markets, you know, be it iron ore, be it copper, um, you know, be, uh, well, even, even be platinum, where we, we, know, we know that there was a lot of above ground stock for a very long period of time. So, you know, without any significant supply destruction and with the world's major demanders of, this, uh, of these commodities, you know, certainly looking uh, uncertain in terms of economic growth and improving demand. Um, you know, the demand and the supply equilibrium hasn't really changed all that much more recently. Yes, sentiment towards uh, these commodities has changed and they are recovering from exceptionally oversold territories. Um, you know, if we look at uh, global fund managers have been drastically underweight both commodities and commodity stocks. So they have been battered down exceptionally badly. I mean, you know, if we take Anglo-American as an example, before 2015, the stock price in dollars was down approximately 75% off its highs. You know, so the, we're going to see some recovery from, from the exceptionally oversold territories. But, uh, you know, a lot of the easy money has been made. We see a lot of these commodity prices up, uh, you know, sort of 30, 40% so far for the year. And the miners, in fact, doubling in value since the beginning of the year. So the easy money has been made, and you know, one really has to take a step back and wonder whether from these levels, um, you know, we're going to see any improvement in the demand and supply equilibrium, and, you know, it seems unlikely as mines try to squeeze out each other, and, uh, you know, I think the best strategy moving forward would be to invest in the, the, the low cost of production assets rather than hoping on, uh, you know, commodity prices improving, because it's certainly, the backdrop is certainly not so supportive towards that, and we have already seen quite a significant recovery in commodity prices. So fund managers have moved away from their drastically underweight position to sort of, um, you know, slightly less underweight or in certain instances even neutral. So, you know, to see further strong upward momentum for commodity prices from these levels, um, you know, would mean a a bullish Federal Reserve or or a a dovish Federal Reserve, should I say, for an extended period of time, Um, you know, and and, and a a Chinese economy economy rapidly improving along with supply destruction and you know to see all of those perfect forces sort of coming together um, you know is almost hitting and hoping thank you so much nadir token an investment analyst with uh, 274 investment managers